0: You're listening to CGR Cougar Radio, radio station at Misericordia University, Dallas, Pennsylvania.
1: Hello there and welcome to the special catch-up special of Holiday Talk, where we talk about holidays you may or may not have heard of and potentially learn something new along the way. I'm going solo for this endeavor, so let's not waste any time and get on to it. So let's start with uh, February 28th, which is the day before leap day, if this is one of those every four years stick. And the first guy we have, or, yeah, that, is Linus Pauling Day. I'm thinking this is to celebrate his birthday or death. I haven't haven't got the foggiest. But but Linus Pauling, he was, let's just say, iffy about this. (laughs) So in the 1930s, he began work on biomolecule structures and comes up with the triple DNA helix model, model in in which we all learn in science and stuff like that. He then turns his attention to how enzymes and antibodies work in the 1940s and in 1954 and 62, he managed to win Nobel Peace, uh, Nobel Prizes for chemistry and even the Peace Prize in 62. But during his later years, He kind of got a little bit vitamin crazy. And by vitamin crazy, I mean he thought that the vitamins could hold a potential cure for cancer at one point. Yeah. I mean, what he did for science was good, but in the later years, not so much. In fact, this kind of creates this urban myth and legend that vitamins are the key to health. And even so, I mean, even to prevent scurvy, just like eat a fruit. Like, at ever and that'll prevent it because scurvy you need some vitamin C. And even so, in 1970 he did publish the vitamin C and the common cold with data on health benefits of vitamin C. Well to me, vitamins are kind of like cats. One's good, two's stepping out of a boundary, and you don't eat like and you don't eat like uh many more than 3. To me that's just overkill, but what do you guys think about that? I'm sure everyone will have a different opinion for me. Anyway, moving on, we have National Chocolate Souffle Day. This actually traces back to what I think is our French French friends, as in 1742, Vincent La Chapelle perfects up a recipe for souffle, incorporating sweet and savory ingredients like candied lemon and veal kidney. I'm hoping we don't use that anymore. Personal opinion. And in 1814, Antoine, Antoine Bellaviez details on how to make a souffle in his book *Le Art de Cuisiner*. Even and six years later, uh, at least, Anton Kahneman creates numerous souffle recipes and is creative with perfecting and popularizing the souffle. And even in 1954, so. Sabrina, who is, who was played by Audrey Hepburn, is critiqued by the master Chef at a Parisian culinary school on her polar attention making souffle in the popular film, Well Sabrina. You know personally, souffles, I'm I'm not even sure if I can have my opinion on it. I'm, I do have chocolate lava cakes. I'm not sure if that counts a souffle or not. I'm pretty sure someone will tell me. Sooner or later. And even so, well, what else is there to say? I like them. They're savory. They're sweet, delicate. And it's just overall a good thing to eat. I always get them alongside my Domino's Parmesan bread bites and pizza. Whatever I'm feeling lucky. Anyway, we got a lot of holidays to cover, so let's keep moving. March 1st, National Pancake Day. This actually goes to our Grecian friends, as it does trace back to 600 BC, with the first mention of pancakes dating back to the ancient times, and comes from a poet who described warm pancakes in one of his writings. The name may be lost to time, or I had, or I didn't catch it. Who knows? And 1180, 1180, Sh- Shrove Tuesday as it was called back then or pancake day has becomes a traditional way to use up the dairy products before lent and the pancake breakfast was born and however this really didn't get popularized until the 1930s when bisquick the comp who makes this makes the first sorry let me start over bisquick first introduces the pancake mix to cooks across the united states to start using to make some extra fluffy pancakes. And in 1995, the largest pancake has to ever be was in Orochdale, United... in the United Kingdom. It... as it measured 16.4 yards ac- across and weighed three tons. Pancakes, man. And those are some savory treats, I tell ya. I always... Pref- I always like to go with any flavor of pancakes whether it be cho- chocolate pancakes or possibly even some banana, strawberry. Basically, pancakes are the ultimate designer food when I, in my taste. As you can you can really model using fruits and fruits and even a banana, which is also a fruit. Whew. You know, I you know, I'm not sure what my favorite pancake thing is, but even so, I I just love those pancakes, man. Anyway, let's wrap up March 1st with World Music Therapy Day, which actually, once again, goes back to the 1740s, or the first time in the 1745, when in his book, The Connection of Mu- Musical to Medicine, as Nikolai explores the power of music over the nerves. 1913. Eva Faselius, musician and founder of the National Therapeutic Society of New York, creates the Music and Health Journal. And then we, and then we have two occurrences in the year 1944. The first music therapy bachelor's degree program is established in Michigan State College or now we now know as Michigan State University as well as Har- Harriet Aaron Seymour who was a th- music therapist to World War 1 veterans and founder of the National Foundation of Music Therapy writes the first handbook on music therapy. You know, I'm not even I you know, I'm not even sure if music the- if me playing the trombone back in middle school and high school counts as music therapy, but I have experienced music and sometimes music is just a way to calm the the soul after a long day at work. I actually like to listen to music when it comes to YouTube or some people have the old old style like in CDs or cassettes or anything else. Anyway, we'll be moving on to March 2nd and 3rd right after this commercial break. See you guys. See you guys in the next segment.
2: In the small town of Elmira, New York, a boy was born into an all-American family. The odds of him opening his own clothing store at the age of 18? One in 138,000. Excited to be a part of pop culture, he packed for the big city. The odds of finding someone to invest in his vision? One in 4.5 million. The odds of him achieving his dream in the fashion industry? One in 23 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I am Tommy Hilfiger, and my family is affected by autism. I encourage you to learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
0: Every day across this country, hundreds of college radio stations take to the air broadcasting music and programming that you won't hear anywhere else. It's
3: one of the last places where people can really be able to actually say what they want to say.
0: Without it you wouldn't have a place for local artists to perform. Certain people need to have a chance, a fighting chance, and College Radio is that place for it. College Radio changes the lives of those who are involved with it and can change those who listen to it too.
3: This is where we start out, you know, from getting all this great experience working in College Radio. It makes you want to work in real radio
2: college radio means finding yourself it helped me find what i
0: wanted to do in not only school but in life so support college radio by continuing to listen to this station and supporting the students who make it happen college radio now more than ever a message brought to you by this station and the college radio foundation for more information please visit college radio.org.
1: And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go to March 2nd now with National Old Stuff Day. So this actually doesn't have a long as a history compared to, say, music therapy or pancakes. But but it is that <clears throat> but it does help and give credit to the quote, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Back in 1820, charity fairs were often hosted by churches or ladies' charity groups as they began to rebrand into secondhand shopping as a charitable act. And in 1902, Reverend Edgar J. Helms, Methodist minister, starts Goodwill by collecting used goods and training his employees to repair them for sale. However, it won't be until 17. 17- years as until we get the first recorded use of the term thrift shop as just a decade and a decade later the great depression would lead goodwill to open over 200 stores nationwide yeah 1929 the same year as the stock market crash and probably sunk our economy into a worse low at the time and even as recent as 1995 online marketplaces like eBay and Craigslist launch and help revolutionize online shopping for secondhand terms. Although nowadays, you might want to go to Amazon if you want to do some shopping in general, but eBay and Craigslist are a nice secondhand experience. Even so, I'm pretty sure most of you heard the term thrift shop by that that rap, you know, the I'm going to pop some tags, only got $20 in my pocket sort of thing. I don't remember the exact artist who wrote it. But I th- I do think it is a good use of re- recycling. In fact, we'll get to World Recycling Day later in the broadcast. As, as we... Uh, wow. I'm... Tr- Sorry about that, folks. I... Well, what else there is to say at this point? I think think these. this is a good way of recycling, and, well, I actually did use eBay at one point. It was for a GameCube game, and I have been using Amazon ever since, but I that one time I used eBay was a good experience. And now we have National Banana Cream Pie Day. Actually, this goes back a long, long while, so you may want to hear me out on this one. 6000 BC, as we thank our Egyptian friends for this one. They make these like pie-like creations called galettes or gelettes using oat, wheat, rye, and barley with a honey-filled crust. And even came alongside the pilgrims when they traveled to North America in 1620. In fact, they brought their family favorite family pie recipes to them in America. It wasn't until like eighty, a minimum of eighty years after the fact, when American women cemented this tradition of serving pies with every meal and cementing its way into American way of life. In fact, you, in fact, you may have heard this thing called nothing as nothing as more American as apple pie. So. Yeah, even more evidence that America is just a mishmash of other cult, cultures and stuff like that. As, and we created our own identity with it. Pies come. F- we have our own pot pies to thank for that. And even as early as the 1950s, American soldiers fall in love with these banana cream pies, and it becomes their favorite dessert. And the subject of every clown who throws that at an unsuspecting joker at a per- at a circus. I'm not sure if banana cream pie or some kind of other pie is the main source of it, but I am sure that pie is used in any clown routine, which probably has gotten a bad rap ever since the whole it controversy with the whole creepy clown motif. I haven't seen the films, but I know about the whole thing. That's all there is to say about that. So, let's move on to March third. As we have cold cuts day, which actually does go also go back to 900 BC and at until 227 BC. This is during Etruscan Eusteri- times that also flourished in central Italy with prosciutto. I'm pretty sure that's how announced very a very popular item among the merchants. Eighth century B.C., during that time, the the Odyssey, which was a set of 24 books that describe an epic poem attributed to the Greek author Homer, does contain a mention of cold cuts. Even so, Homer's, I think most of Homer's work is lost to time. So, yeah. Then we get to the 80s century centuries, with the 1st century AD, Strabo, or Strobo, a Greek geographer, philosopher, historian, okay, what was not this guy, writes that salted meat is being imported from Gaul, and all indicates that people at Borsopia, or Beres Nimrod, is now now an archaeological site in the Babylon province. And, and in 2020, let's be honest, we as the USA just loves our cold cuts. One meat stands out, however, though. 2020 statistics indicate that 170.18 million Americans eat ham cold cuts. Or if you slice them evenly, we can consider that Canadian bacon. So, yeah. Cold cuts. There's slabs of meat that you can put on a sandwich. I love those cold cuts. Specifically, roast beef and turkey, which I, alongside cheese... It's a meaty combo, and I always have that for lunch. Or or if nothing's available, I just have a cheese sandwich and be the end of it. I'm just not that hungry as a person when it comes to that. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Cold cuts. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome way of preserving meat and salting it and making sure that it's accessible for everyone and thin enough that you can put on a sandwich or... Possibly something else. Whew. You know, this is kind of an experience since I do like eating those things and really delighting myself in in really chowing them down on the meats, whether it be roast beef, turkey, or just something like that. Even so, I just want to know what you guys think of cold cuts. Could be a vocal opinion or anything. Anyway, we'll get on to the rest of March 3rd and possibly March 4th, starting off with Missouri Compromise Day right after this commercial break.
4: (laughs) Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon. <gasps> Steven! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today.
5: Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. When I grow up,
4: I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. I a warm place on a cold day. I want to be, a, want to be a football I stadium. want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be.
0: Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. I don't believe it! My savings are gone! Okay, think. Where'd you have them last? I was home, then I spent them on that vacation in this tiny suit of armor. Now they're gone! Weird. Weird? Not really. Not saving
3: now means no money later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas on ways to save, go to FeedThePig.org. That's FeedThePig.org. Oh, I broke his little gauntlet.
0: This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the
1: Pennsylvania Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. So let's finish up March 3rd, shall we? With Missouri Compromise Day. For all you history buffs out there. So, this actually does trace back to 1819, the year before the whole Missouri Compromise gets uh, affected. With uh, the matter being brought in discussion during the, at the 15th Congress, and and since then, the conversation kind of ends in a stalemate. This is around the time when we were kind of split in two when when all the na- states in the north actually were free freedom states and all the states in the south actually were slave states, meaning they I know this seems a little Insensitive to some, but this is an important part of history, and I think it's best to acknowledge one's mistakes when during our country alone so we don't repeat it in the future. Anyway, moving on, even in 1820, the law was passed by Congress and proclaims Missouri as a slave state while putting in Maine as a free state. Thirty-four years later, Senator Stephen Douglas of Illinois repeals the Missouri Compromise, and settles states that that the settlers each each territory should decide on the issue of slavery for themselves, what, saying that if they want to be if they want to be a slave state or a free or a free state. And three years later, the Supreme Supreme Court rules that the Missouri Compromise is unconstitutional. During the Dred Scott case. And starts the fuse that leads into the Civil War. Which involves the the end of the CSA. Or Confederate States of America. (sighs) So. My co-host Isaac actually couldn't make it today. Because of a dentist appointment. But he wanted to be a history teacher during that during his young days and if you didn't listen to any of the previous broadcasts we did you might be aware of that or if you have you might be aware of it if you haven't you might not but this is kind of a recap for those who haven't listened to it so it's kind of weird to to see that a constant something kind of like a compromise Kind of be like a product of its time, as it was kind of wrong back then, kind of wrong today. It is definitely wrong today. And acting like something like this never existed is also kind of acting like the whole civil disp the whole USA dispute over what sh- the economy should be backed by never really existed. And it is an integral piece to the civil war, so... I'm not sure what else to say about this point. Moving on to March 4th, we have National Snack Day. So this actually goes back in to the to 1402 when the word snack is adopted into the English language and is used as a noun. And that would be the only thing to kind of refer to as a snack until 1893 during the Columbian Exposition, which popularizing the whole snacking as a term by introducing a number of evergreen snacks into the market. I don't know what evergreen snacks are, probably a little bit more detail, but I'm pretty sure they're kind of like one of those, uh, like you eat like celery or something like, uh, Something that's grown out of the ground. But 10 years later, after the Columbian Exposition, we have American manufacturer Milton Hershey, who establishes the biggest candy plant in the world and popularizing chocolate bars across America. In fact, some of these uh, snack confectories are on sale at Starbucks, or you can get some of the chopping block, I think. A little bit more healthy, but still... And even you do the Intermezzo Cafe in in Insulaco Hall. (sighs) I'm not sure what else there is to go on here. I'm just simply talking and kind of improvising about this. But personally, my favorite snacks are just the ones you can eat with one hand and don't really and don't really have to use both hands in order to do it. In fact, that's kind of how the sandwich invented. The earliest sandwich just wanted a way of playing poker or cards as well as eating dinner. He made this so he devised a one-handed meal with uh, some meats or cheeses or something like that and bread and bread in between. Voila, you got a sandwich. It even does call back to the cold cut thing. I... I don't know what else to say at this point. But I'm trying to make this go on for as long as it can, but... I'm kind of... You know, it's kind of funny how I'm kind of winging it at this point. I'm kind of winging it at everything. Oh, God. Oh, jeez, oh, jeez, oh, jeez. I really don't want to leave any open space for this. Anyway, let's see what else we got. Oh, let's wrap up uh, March 4th with National Safety Day. This actually isn't that long of a history. So let's start with the 1950s when the National Safety Council gets registered as a public trust under the uh, Bombay Public Trust Act of that year. And in 1966, government of India establishes the National Safety Council as a non-profit and self-financing body. Yes, it is not an American invention. The NSC is, I think we have the Ad Council for that. <laughs> And even so, in 1971, five years after the establishment, the National Safety Council launches National Safety Day almost a decade after its founding.
5: Uh,
1: Five years, a half of that. I don't really get it. And even in 2021, many leaders and organizations take to Twitter and to highlight the important message of safety during National Safety Day. And even so, hmm. Has anyone actually seen those ad council PSAs or actually looked up international PSAs you see online from other countries that could be scarring as well as teaching? <sighs> you may, you guys are in this grade. Anyway, we'll be back starting off of March 5th right after this commercial break. See
2: you guys then. Are you in need of counseling? Do you need someone to talk to? Catholic Social Services of the Diocese of Scranton can help. Our professional counselors can help you work through episodes of depression and anxiety, the challenges that affect your marriage or family, issues of loss and grief, pregnancy, or anger. For more information, call 570-822-7118 or find us online at Catholic Social Services of the Diocese of Scranton. That's Catholic Social Services of the Diocese of Scranton.
3: Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org.
0: Who might you save?
3: Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son.
0: Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke. F. Face drooping; A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911. You could save.
3: Your friend, teacher, boss.
0: So learn F-A-S-T. Then pass it on because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague. Spot a stroke T- fast. Visit StrokeAssociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. You're listening to CGR Cougar Radio, radio station of Misericordia University, Dallas, Pennsylvania.
1: And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. We are now a quarter of the way there, and we'll be going on to March 5th, holidays. So, act as today, as that day is known as Real Film Day. This actually does go trace back to the 1890s. In Berlin, Max and Emil Skatalanowski present the first moving picture show through, through a bioscope, a movie projector they developed. And a month later, the Lumiere brothers invented their own filming system, The Cinematography, The Cinematography, or something, The Cinematograph, which hosts the first commercial screening of 10 short films in Paris. Then we have 1896, a year later, A woman directs a film for the first time, and it also happens to be the first film with a narrative. Alice Guy remained the only female filmmaker for a decade. Then we have 1902. Real estate and banking tycoon H.J. Whitley arrives in Cahuenga Valley, I think that's how you pronounce it, and opens the Hollywood Hotel where the Dolby Theater now stands. 4 years later in 1906, the Australian film The Story End of the Kelly Gang is released and is one of the first 60-minute full-length feature films. In 1911, we have the first Hollywood studio which is established on Sunset Boulevard. Can you Bonus points if you guess who what that film was and I which is still around today. 1915, major film companies start to relocate to Hollywood to escape being sued by Thomas Edison for infringing his film patents on the East Coast. And in the ni- then we come to the golden age of film, the, 19- the roaring 20s, divided by the technical and narrative style now characteristic of American cinema and even provide revolutionary topics such as color, sound and film with the jazz singer, and, and pretty much just getting it available into a wide audience. And now we have 2017 with the integration with the Alamo Draft House Cinema. In collaboration with Kodak, organizes the first Real Film Day. So technically, March 5th, 2022 was Fil- Real Film Day's fifth anniversary. So happy birthday to that. Man, I have actually seen some films nowadays, but I always try and see those fathom films because it is kind of rare that you see me catch interest to a modern film, as it doesn't really hold my interest that much. And even so, theaters everywhere are kind of getting a little bit of a resurgence after what happened with the pandemic wreaking the closing theaters and not opening until they were safe to do so. And even so, you still have to wear a mask when you're not eating anything. But I'm glad this what, but I'm glad theaters are reopening as you don't, as unless you're streaming, it you don't really get the feeling of really being in uh, another world. <clears throat> as even a streaming, you still get a chance of buffering, if films and cinemas, you don't really have that chance of doing so, which to me says a lot about the film industry. And it is impressive to see how far they have come since its infancy back in the 1890s. Moving on, we also have che- National Cheese Doodle Day on the same day. And this is actually one of the two, two days where we celebrate an accidental invention. Something that was invented purely on accident, but they just kind of catched on, caught on. You'll find out what the other one is later in the broadcast. So this actually goes traced back to the late 1940s when Moria Yohai actually creates a tubular form of cheesy doodle after his machines accidentally process oatmeal or cornmeal under high pressure. This doesn't really catch on until the 1950s when people fall in love with the cheesy doodles and Cheetos, specifically Rise to the Top, beating out its competitors, like wheel dealers, flute snatchers, or crown grabbers. And in 1965, the Cheese Doodle Company expands into other flavors, and the board and the Borden Condensed Milk Company purchases it. And even late as the early as the 20th century. We have National Cheese Doodle Day is celebrated by snack lovers appreciating all the forms this cheesy creation comes in. You know, I do love me a good bag of Cheetos. It's kind of a love-hate relationship with these kinds of cheese doodles. Because, well, I just don't like getting the dust on them. The cheesy dust. I feel like I'd have to wash my hands every time I eat a bag of one of them. But they are still fine. And cheesy. Gooey. Gooey. What am I saying? That's not a cheese doodle. Uh, You're just describing mac and cheese at this point. (laughs) Yeah, that cheese doodly goodness. I didn't realize before cheese do... Before the whole... Before I started reading the Big Date comics. That... The cheese doodles kind of like a generalized term for Cheetos. I thought the general term for Cheetos was, well, Cheetos. And even so, I, ha, huh, I don't really have any other feelings on cheese doodles. I think they're a good snack and kind of an extension on snack days and stuff like that that we you could have celebrated earlier. Hoo boy. And even so, the powder. I'm sorry if I'm going back to this topic, the powder is just, if you're gonna eat it, I'd suggest using either gloves or kind of like one of those latex gloves, something like that so you can eat it without the hassle. Or you can try and find a way to, I don't know, be around a sick nearby. I'm just not sure at this point trying to uh, <clears throat> trying to get all that orange dust and even and even it has been pointed out that that dust can really stick and make yourself look a little bit more orange than you want it to be. Yeah, uh, let's briefly touch on National Frozen Food day for a moment. And actually, I don't think we're going to have time, as I might as well save that for the next after this commercial break, which will have National Fruit Day, Frozen Food Day, alongside National Densus Day during March 6th, right after this commercial break is done. I will see you then, and don't get the orange test on ya.
5: Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds, over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
3: There are many sounds in your day-to-day life There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. Sounds that energize you. And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives.
1: And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to March 6th as we celebrate National Frozen Food Day. Now, frozen food actually does trace back to the inventions of the Roaring Twenties as Clarence Birdseye invents the freezing, quick freezing method. You may recognize the last name f- with the Birdseye Company who prioritizes in frozen food. Moving on to the 1950s, frozen ready-to-eat meals actually do hit the market in the United States and also help come in the phrase of a TV dinner or a hungry man dinner for modern people. Then we have 19, then in the 1970s, home freezers became more widespread, expanding the frozen food options like pizza and fries. So you can keep them cooled and keep them longer than just immediately eating them and throwing out the box. That's, uh, that's actually kind of good. And uh, 1984, National Frozen Food Day is made official by President Ronald Reagan. So yeah, frozen food. Nah, uh, Something I kind of wanted to try, but never was able to. Due to my allergies back then, making me allergic to all the good stuff and had to rely on gluten-free and dairy-free alternatives. I was also allergic to that. Almonds and chocolate. <sighs> Something I am making, still making up to this day. So, yeah, frozen food. Even, that, even before the refrigerator, it is kind of a cool concept to freeze your food and thaw it out later. And with refrigerators, you can do that at home and not just rely on meat lockers in which you have at work. We, even frozen food is now becoming a little bit more widespread, like those pre-made meals that Wakeman's or your local grocery store may have that you may pick up. Heck, there's even some pre-made meals you can get at a chopping block and Starbucks and the Intermezzo Cafe if you want to eat them. And they are designed to be put in the fridge and taken out at the most opportune time. When you really can't go to the dining hall to get some dinner. And, well, yeah. So, yeah, frozen foods. Give them a little bit more respect. Wonder, wonder where your life would be without it. Now we move on to National Dentist's Day. This actually goes a lot farther back than you may think. Let's start with 5,000 BC. With the Sumerians, we have the Sumerians to thank for that as the ancient Sumerians believed that tooth decay in cavities were caused by something called tooth worms. Even saying it out loud, it feels wrong. Toothworms. It's like saying your body part is filled with a sea serpent or something like that. Or your ears are filled with squids that remove the... You know? Or, I don't know, it's just... It's kind of weird to find out all these uh, toothworm things or something like that. Kind of gives a little bit meaning to... Kind of get, explains the whole chipping hole thing back then. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to 200- 2600 BC, when Hesse-Ra from ancient Egypt it t- was known as one of the earliest dental practitioners, which I'm thinking it's just mostly home recipes and pray for luck to your local Egyptian god, or Ra specifically, to help you survive. To be honest, I am not exactly sure what the... Per- what the dental procedures in Egypt like were like, but I'm pretty sure they'd be interesting at this point. So, it'd be kind of funny to do so and see that happen or find a way to piece together what may be procedure, because Egyptians were kind of weird. I mean, for a dead guy, they place the belongings and just scoop out the brain with a, with a hook you put in the nose. <laughs> But that's going a little bit off topic. In 1530, we also have Art- Artzny Bol- Bolcherian, who writes the first book on dental health called Little Medic- Medicinal Book for All Kinds of Diseases and Infirmities of the Teeth. <clears throat> Say that three times fast. <sighs> you know, I haven't read the book, but there's got to be like something in those... uh. Books that kind of feel outdated. Like I said, I'm not exactly sure of the contents of the book. But I'm pretty sure sure, uh, something like uh, removal has to be like a hammer and a chisel. And hope it does exactly like that. Heck, even surgeries back then were kind of hit and miss. Taking a chunk out of the brain... Thinking you're possessed by evil spirits or something like that. Doing rhinoplasty with cotton and stalks and licorice powder. The past is weird, I'm going to be honest. The past is really weird when looking back at it. I mean, there's even one Spanish king that couldn't even really rule until he got thinner. And they just kind of sewed his mouth shut. And that's kind of funny. Or... Something like that. Fun fact. His actual name I can't pronounce. But it is an anagram of, well, paint. Ha! Paintbrush
5: AIDS.
1: (sighs) Well, like AIDS to a paintbrush and not the, you know, I'm just going to cut. You know what? I'm just going to stop. Stop around my head. But, yeah. That's is weird. And even in the 20... even in nineteen ninety, aesthetic dentistry is on the rise with colorful braces, veneers, implants, and bleaching. And for those modern wine guys, Invisible Invisalign eliminates the restrictions of regular old braces. If you can afford it, that is. I've had braces for the longest time. Coupled with that and having to play an instrument, it is just pure torture. I was relieved when I got those braces off. They did help straighten my teeth, as I did used to have a little bit of a gap in the front tooth. But I'm fine now. But may you may want to take a break from management if you have braces right now and are trying to straighten the teeth. Anyway, anyway, uh, coming up next we have March seventh as a holiday, a National Serial Day, as long as National Be Hurt Day, and we might get to March eighth, but I'm not sure. Let's see what happens right after this commercial break. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to March 7th, shall we? Let's start off with National Cereal Day. So, this one actually kind of traces back to the 1870s. with, Or, more specifically, 1877. John Harvey Kellogg and Will Keith Kellogg were experimenting with boiled wheat. as Brothers, too. They left a batch of out on overnight and returned to fight it stale. They tried to process the same process with corn and created what we know today as Kellogg's Corn Flakes. So, yeah. (laughs) Happy 145th birthday, Kellogg's Corn Flakes. The world's oldest and possibly the world's oldest cereal. No cereals can attest to the staying power of just simple Kellogg's Corn Flakes. Yeah, I haven't tried them personally, but... Just just having a cereal that old is kind of impressive to me. 1939. Ranger Joe popped wheat honeys. Showed up in grocery stores and on radio and TV ads. Well, early TV ads. It wasn't really widespread until the 50s. To show kids who liked sugar and cereal didn't have to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah, even... Some cereals like to nowadays like to strike the medium between healthy and not healthy. I mean, there's some modern cereals that can uh, really go for healthy. Like like uh, Honey Nut Cheerios or just Cheerios in general. And Fruit Loops and which are, is kind of fruity. And in 19... 19- 1964, fancier cereal mixes like Lucky Charms hit the market with fruit, marshmallows and other sweets mixed in. They, it did have gimmicks over time but I can't remember them off the top of my head. As well at, as trying to keep it a rainbow of marshmallows. Which honestly is kind of my favorite part of the cereal. You'll, you you There is the uh, other stuff that you can make. I mean, I uh, had my little st- cereal back then, but I'll get to that. I'm pretty sure you may have recognized the whole slogan for you. As heart stars, and horseshoes, clovers, and balloons, hourglasses, rainbows, and tasty red balloons. Which, honestly, red balloons is the only one in the original that survived the test of time. And I'm just wondering when, when, when another gimmick may show up. Anyway, 1984 saw the debut of Mr. T Cereal, the first licensed right-to-eat cereal manufactured and marketed by a Quaker Oats company. Yeah, we get a lot of... Yeah, a lot of... There are a lot of uh, licensed cereal that may, some may not remember. Some off the top of my head are the Donkey Kong cereal. There's also... The Spongebob cereal nowadays as well as Mario had a cereal. Even its Hades counterpart, the Nintendo cereal system, which kind of gave you two cereals in one, which means the cereals were in two bags and you chose which one, but if you opened both of them, it kind of spilled over. Maybe that's the reason why it didn't last long. Anyway, uh, my personal favorite cereal has to be Cocoa Puffs. Um, I guess, like the mascot, I'm kind of cuckoo for them. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> uh, that is funny. <laughs> anyway. National Be Heard Day is also on that same day. And that's a- actually a little bit more recent than the whole cornflakes thing. As ni- 1960s, the observance of National sorry, National Small Business Week begins. And later on in 84, this helps give shined and doesn't really give a little bit of attention. But in 1984, the, the movie Ghostbusters was released to the public, which kind of saw the Ghostbusters as kind of like one of those small businesses that you can rely on and boosts, this, boosts the whole concept of a small business into the general eye instead of just being like a niche thing. And even in 2004, Shannon Cherry creates the first National Be Heard Day for small businesses to get noticed. So, happy 18th birthday to that holiday, and thank you, Shannon Cherry, for all those for all those days of be being heard. Yeah, you know, I have personal opinions on this, but. Even as late as 2019, consumers become more aware of ethical business practices and support for small businesses significantly increases, which kind of makes, makes the notion of, of buying stuff from that specific company that are, is exposed to ethical business practices and try and wise up in order to make a good image kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth. Heck, even heck, the worst of it came with the video game industry. It feels like whenever you try and get a game, there's always something that has baggage in it, and it kind of sours your uh, mood. It kind of sours its opinion and makes you kind of tuck the whole shirt collar thing whenever you're trying to talk about it. In other words, yeah. I mean, being heard isn't just limited to small businesses. I mean, it, I mean, it feels like it sometimes, but. Just, like, being heard in general kind of feels like getting your voice out there, making yourself heard into general public, which is kind of like this radio show is being about. And just, you know, kind of being, uh, just kind of being one of these days where you don't really feel like you're the little mouse, but growing into, like, one of those big elephants. But... But, sorry about that, folks. But there's always something about how big is too big to be considered small. That is a tough one. Because even if you're supporting small businesses, the more and more support, they kind of grow into a larger and bigger business. And trying to keep expanding and expanding. And then those small businesses become into big businesses. And the less support those big businesses were and become small business so it's kind of like a paradox that is a tough one but even so we do have some uh, small businesses in the dallas pennsylvania era area in wilkes-barre one such example is walking distance from this university called pizza bella and we'll continue with th- and we'll uh continue with the holidays after this brief musical interval with Back Raiders in this life. See you guys then.